in the early hours of the 7th of December 2017, an ambulance was making its way along a road in the German city of Flensburg, close to the Danish border. All of a sudden, a young man jumped from the back seat of a car onto the road in front of the stunned paramedics. The car the man had jumped from didn't stop and instead sped off, leaving him behind on the ground. The ambulance swerved to the side of the road and rushed to the aid of the man. The paramedics noticed right away that he was very dirty, that he had a small burn-like wound on the back of his hand and that he wasn't wearing any shoes. He was also in a somewhat confused state and told the crew that he had been kidnapped and jumped from the moving car to escape from his tormentors. The man was taken to the hospital for a checkup and once deemed to have not been suffering from any serious injuries, he was driven to the local police station for questioning. The police conducted a five-hour-long interview with the man, who turned out to be a 21-year-old theatre student from Sweden named Felix Rosell Nyberg. He calmly recounted the story of what had initially happened to him, concluding with what had led him to throw himself from the moving vehicle. He then sensationally claimed that he had just hours earlier killed his friend in Sweden with an axe before being kidnapped and taken to Germany. The German police initially thought that Felix was making everything up. They were sure that it was some kind of prank or that he was acting, but they did consider calling the psychiatric department at the hospital to see if he was suffering from some kind of mental breakdown. However, in the end, they decided to check with the Swedish police to see if a murder similar to what Felix had described had been reported in the last 24 hours. He had been unable to tell the police exactly where the murder had taken place, only that it was somewhere in a forest about an hour's drive from the city of Gothenburg on Sweden's west coast. But it did tell them that he had thrown out some bloody clothes from the car window over a large bridge in the same area where the murder was committed. After speaking to the authorities in Flensburg, the Swedish police had a fair idea of what bridge it could have been and sent a patrol car to Udvalabron, a large cable-stayed bridge which crosses the Sunninga Sound, to have a look for anything suspicious. Despite this, the Swedish police did share the opinion of their German colleagues. They were sure that Felix was making the story up. But on arrival at the bridge, to the shock of the officers, there lay a pile of bloody clothes, just as Felix had claimed. This is Nordic True Crime.
Felix was a young, outgoing man who was described by his friends and family as a everyday normal kind of guy who had never been in trouble with the law before. At the time, he was studying at a theatre college in the suburbs of Gothenburg and was doing particularly well. He was due to star in the performance of an upcoming play, Who is Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and had, in the run-up to the event, phoned his friends and family to ask who was coming to see him perform and how many seats he should reserve for them. It was a show which he was really looking forward to do. Felix and a woman called Maria both rented a room in an apartment which was owned by a man called Magnus Natschke, who also lived at the property. Magnus was an openly homosexual man who was described as somewhat of a hippie with a kind heart and a great love for everything and everyone around him. According to Maria, on the morning of the 6th of September, she was out with her boyfriend and didn't return home until about 8 o'clock in the evening. The front door to the apartment was unlocked and all the lights were on, but nobody seemed to be home. On entering, she noticed that something was not quite right in regards to how the apartment had been left. For instance, a movie had been paused on the computer and there was clean laundry still in the washing machine, which hadn't been hung up to dry. It was as if someone had just stopped what they were doing, stood up and walked out. Maria thought it was strange, but not alarmingly strange. She figured that her flatmates would be home soon and she sat down on the couch where she would later fall asleep. She woke up the following morning to the sound of an alarm. She traced it to Felix's room and realized that it was a preset alarm coming from his mobile phone, which was lying on the floor underneath his bed. Now she began to worry. A young man like Felix would never leave his phone at home, especially not under his bed. So she tried to get a hold of Magnus to check if they were in each other's company. She phoned him, but he didn't pick up. A few minutes passed and suddenly Maria received a text from Magnus saying that he was on his way to meet a guy in the south of Europe. The message read, I had to meet him, but I have been taking a lot of medication lately, so Felix is driving me there. Maria believed that Magnus was on his way to meet his former partner who lived in Spain. They had previously gone through a difficult period in their relationship and had regularly argued with one another. So she figured that he was on his way to him to try and sort things out between them. She tried to phone him again, but as before, he didn't pick up and soon sent her another text message saying that he promised he would call her later. What she didn't know was that it wasn't Magnus who had texted her and that she would never see her friend alive again. Felix told the police that he had stayed up late the night before the murder and had overslept the following morning. He got up and brushed his teeth and got himself ready for the day. He was supposed to be rehearsing the play with a friend and was running about 15 minutes late. 
the doorbell suddenly rang and Magnus went to answer it. Felix said that he then heard him scream, Felix, there are three men outside saying that they are going to beat me up. The men then forced themselves into the apartment and shoved Magnus into the kitchen. He was hysterical and screamed for help. Felix ran to the aid of his friend, but both he and Magnus were made to sit down on the kitchen chairs and, in his own words, told to shut the hell up. They claimed that Magnus had sexually assaulted one of their friend's children and that they wanted financial compensation for what he had done. They demanded that Magnus give them his PIN code for his bank card and the login for his internet bank. Magnus tried to tell them that what they were claiming couldn't be true. He would never hurt a child and that he definitely wasn't a pedophile. One thing worth noting is that Magnus, who was openly gay, lived in an area which consisted of groups of people who didn't tolerate homosexuality. It was very much frowned upon, and many of these same people believed that it was closely connected to pedophilia. The three men, who were unknown to both Magnus and Felix, continued with their demands for money. According to Felix, one of the men was more authoritative than the others and was clearly the leader of the group. His name was Peter, and his accomplices were Emmanuel and Joker. Peter sat down and poured himself some wine and told the two friends that they didn't want to hurt them, but if they didn't give them what they were after, then they would kill them both. This would be the beginning of a strange and complex hostage situation, which would last for hours. It would also be extremely violent. At one point, they threw boiling water over Magnus' legs and began punching him. Strangely, they never laid a hand on Felix, but he was so terrified that he didn't dare to do or say anything out of turn which could focus the men's attention on him. They had even told him that one of their associates was hiding in the bushes outside the apartment with an AK-4, so escaping was not an option. The men then began to try and obtain text message approved bank loans through the use of Magnus's bank account details. When the bank phoned them up to confirm the loan, they forced Felix to act as Magnus in order to get the loans approved. Eventually, one of the loans of 100,000 Swedish crowns, roughly 10,300 US dollars, went through. One of the men then left to go to the bank machine to withdraw some cash. He then bought some food, alcohol and drugs before returning to the apartment. As lunchtime approached, they decided that it was time to get rid of all the evidence of them ever being in the apartment before leaving with both Felix and Magnus. When the apartment was finally cleaned to the satisfaction of the three men, the two roommates were then placed into the back seat of a car and a mask was put over Magnus's head before they drove off. They drove around for hours all the while forcing Magnus to knock back both alcohol and pills 
in an attempt to get him to fall asleep or eventually pass out. But when that didn't happen, they changed their approach and instead drove to a summer cabin, which they referred to as their safe house. The cabin was owned by a middle-aged man who also let them into the property on their arrival. They dragged Magnus in and threw him onto the floor, where they began to violently assault him. Between the punches and kicks, they continued to force-feed him alcohol. This went on for hours, and during this time, Felix went outside several times for a cigarette, without any of the men saying anything to him. And at one point, he and one of the men even drove back to the house to get Felix's wallet, which he had forgotten, to go to the shop to get some food. Later in the day, Peter decided that they should rent a car. So Joke and Felix once again drove into town, where Felix rented a car in his name. He was allowed to go inside the rental office alone, whilst Joke waited outside. But at no point did Felix try to alert anyone as to what was going on, or ask anyone to call the police. He claimed during the police interview that he was too scared of what would happen to him if he was to cry for help, so he only did what he was told to do by the three men. When Joker and Felix returned to the cabin, the assault on Magnus had escalated during their absence, and he was now in a very frail condition. Joker decided that he could no longer deal with what was happening and ran out the door, fleeing the scene of the brutal torture. As if Magnus hadn't suffered enough, Peter decided that it was time to escalate the torture further and demanded that Felix take part. He gave him a crowbar and told him to hit Magnus with it. Felix did what he was told and swung it at his legs. Peter then told Emmanuel and Felix that they must kill Magnus and dismember his body. So they packed the car with plastic bags and an axe and then dragged a badly beaten Magnus out to the vehicle and drove away from the cabin. They headed north towards the town of Uddevalla, about an hour or so north of Gothenburg. On the way there, they stopped at a gas station to get a drink. Whilst there, Emmanuel told Felix that he was the one who had to kill Magnus. Felix said that he wanted to run away, but Emmanuel told him that he would be staying put. And sure enough, he got back in the car and they continued driving. When they reached an empty country road, surrounded by trees, they stopped. They got Magnus out of the car and walked him into the dark forest. Felix kept talking to his friend, trying to reassure him and calm him down. It was almost completely pitch black and very difficult to see, but they kept walking deeper and deeper into the now black wall of trees. All the while, Felix was holding the axe that he was meant to use to end Magnus's life. 
He knew the man's plan was to kill his friend, but at no time during the long trek into the forest did he try to escape, accidentally drop the axe, or even defend himself and Magnus by using the weapon on Manuel. Instead, he did exactly what he was told by a man he had only met for the first time earlier that day, without even questioning what was happening. Eventually, Emmanuel told them to stop and ordered Felix to kill Magnus. Felix said that he raised the axe and brought it down on his friend, killing him. They then stripped him naked and packed his clothes in a bag which they brought with them, leaving the now naked, dead body of Magnus behind. They drove back to the summer cabin to pick up Peter, and together the three men began the 12-hour journey to Amsterdam to party. The bag containing Magnus's blood-soaked clothes was discarded through the window of the car as they drove over a bridge, where it was of course later found by the police. Felix claimed that the men didn't kill him because they said that a large sum of money was possibly going to be transferred to his account and they needed him to withdraw it from the bank. They had reached Germany when Felix realized that as soon as they had the money they wanted, they would no longer need him and he would meet the same fate as Magnus. And with that realization, he threw himself from the moving car and was picked up by the ambulance soon after, where he was taken to the hospital and later to the police station. But was there any truth to Felix's story? The same day that he had thrown himself out of the car, two men walked into a jewelry store in Flensburg, Germany. The employees at the store were a bit unnerved by the presence of the men due to their strange behavior, and they were on the brink of calling the police, but for some reason decided not to. The men eventually made an expensive purchase, paid for by credit card, and left the premises. The credit card belonged to Magnus, and when the police got hold of the surveillance camera footage, they could confirm that none of the men in the store were him. It turned out that they were both traveling in the same car that Felix had rented in Sweden, and they were later stopped in Denmark after an international apprehension order was issued. The two men in the car were 30-year-old Peter Alberg and 19-year-old Emanuel Echeveri Malan. Peter was previously known to the police as he had been in prison twice before, once for assault, and on the other occasion, he served four years for repeatedly striking a neighbor over the head with a frying pan until it was dead, all because he didn't want to loan Peter his car. He was 18 years old at the time of the crime. Emmanuel was also not unfamiliar to the police, having been convicted of several minor offenses. They were both taken in for questioning, but none of the men wanted to talk. Despite receiving zero cooperation from the suspects they had in custody, the police had started to piece together evidence which supported Felix's story. They had managed to locate the cabin, which Magnus had allegedly been tortured in, and when they knocked on the door, 
the 40-year-old owner of the cabin was there, together with a small chihuahua which belonged to Magnus. Inside, they found a large amount of blood splattered on the floor, walls and ceiling, indicating that someone had recently been through a lot of pain and suffering in the cabin. But they still didn't have a body. The police carried out several reenactments with Felix in an attempt to try and locate the scene of the murder and Magnus's body. For two months, they painstakingly drove around both in daylight and darkness to try and help jog his memory. But it was all in vain, as Felix couldn't recall the exact place where the brutal murder had occurred. But then the police received a phone call from a member of the public who had found a dead body in the woods. It was Magnus, and it was now a murder investigation. Not long after this, a mobile phone was found inside the cabin where Magnus had been held, and it contained horrific evidence of the crime taking place. The phone contained pictures of Magnus' badly beaten body from inside the cabin, and even more shocking, a video of the actual murder. The footage graphically revealed the unimaginable fear terror and pain Magnus had endured. The video showed Magnus lying on the ground, pleading for his life. Speaking to his captors and the camera, he said, Please don't, please don't. Felix is then seen telling him to lay down with his arms straight and away from his head, while saying, sorry, but he had to do it to which he then swung the axe back, letting it fall forward, striking his friend on the head. But Magnus didn't die. Instead, he twisted away in agony, so Felix once again struck him with the axe. Meanwhile, Emmanuel was holding the camera, egging Felix on, saying, You have to do it. Do it. Do it now, before he runs away. He's still breathing. Give him an honest death. One more time, man. To which he then let out a little laugh. Felix kept delivering the blows to Magnus' head. Again and again and again. Until he was dead. After viewing the video, the police then began to question what Felix had told them in regards to being forced and threatened into carrying out the murder of his friend. Nothing in the footage showed what he had claimed, apart from what he had done to Magnus. And when they accessed the surveillance footage from the store that Joker and Felix had visited earlier that day, it showed two relaxed men walking through the shop, chatting to each other as if they were both friends. There were no signs of Felix being forced under pressure to do something he didn't want to do. Even after the murder had taken place, when Peter, Emmanuel and Felix were driving to Germany, they had stopped at a gas station to get some drinks, and the surveillance footage there showed Felix entering the station alone and making a purchase. 
This was of course right after he had just murdered his friend in the woods. And when he claimed that he was in fear of his life, thinking that he might be next. And despite this, he still didn't ask for the clerk to call the police or indicate to someone that he was in danger. He was completely sober, so no drugs or alcohol could have fogged his judgment. And he had, throughout the whole kidnapping and murder, been presented with several other opportunities to make different choices or to alert the authorities. Choices and opportunities which could have resulted in a completely different outcome. But it didn't, because he claimed that he was scared beyond comprehension. It hadn't really dawned on Felix that he might be considered to be the offender and not the victim, since he considered that he had been forced to carry out the murder. So he was rather surprised when both he and Emmanuel were charged with the murder of Magnus. Emmanuel, Peter and Joker were also charged with robbery, kidnapping and grievous bodily harm. The question now was if Felix, in the eyes of the law, should be charged with murder or if he should not be held accountable for his actions due to the circumstances surrounding the crime. During the trial, Felix told the same story again and stated how scared he was of Peter and Emmanuel, claiming that they would kill him if they got the chance. When Peter took the stand, Felix began to cry. But when questioned, Peter claimed that Felix's behavior was all for show. He was, after all, a drama student. Throughout the trial, all of the accused, except for Felix, gave the impression that the proceedings were tiresome and didn't show any kind of remorse whatsoever for their actions. They were even seen to roll their eyes and laugh and smile at witnesses. Peter, Emmanuel and Joker never cooperated or even talked to the police throughout the investigation. But during the trial, they all decided to recount their own version of events. This is, of course, a lawful right of every citizen not to talk to the police, but it can also be used as a tactic. Waiting until the investigation is finished and to then tell a story which fits said investigation. But it can, of course, backfire and be seen as a way of protecting yourself. According to Peter and Emmanuel's testimony in court, they had all been to a party at the summer cabin Felix, who was unknown to them, suggested that they should rent a car and drive to Amsterdam and continue the party there. When they reached Germany, they claimed that Felix started to become incoherent and rambled on about a murder. They all thought he was suffering from some kind of psychotic episode or something of that nature. But he then showed them the video, and it was at this point that Emmanuel claimed that he stopped the car and told Felix to get out, which he did without protest. And this is when he was picked up by the ambulance. Emmanuel also denied that he was the one holding the camera during the murder. (laughs) 
Felix was sentenced to 10 years in prison. The court believed that he was indeed under pressure by the men, but it was not possible to hold him unaccountable for what he did to Magnus. Emmanuel was sentenced to 12 years for his part in the crime, whereas Joker received two years and 10 months. Peter, the leader of the group, was sentenced to six years. Felix, Emmanuel and Peter all appealed the sentences handed down by the court. In regards to Felix's appeal, he wanted to be completely acquitted of all charges. The appeals were subsequently rejected. The three men's sentences were extended. Felix received 14 years in prison, Peter 7 years and Emmanuel 13 years. In an interview with Swedish TV station Channel 3, Maria, Felix and Magnus's flatmate, said that she could never begin to imagine the terror and fear that both Felix and Magnus must have endured throughout that day and night. But at the same time, she would never be able to comprehend why Felix made all these choices. Choices which would culminate in the murder of their friend, Magnus. <laughs> 